Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Jay. Hello. Today's topic, Bloodshot, the superhero film based on the Valiant Comics character of the same name. It is intended to be the first installment in a series of films set within a Valiant Comics shared cinematic universe. I'm not quite sure this movie is going to lead to that, but it's at least what they intended. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Jay, tell me, Valiant Comics, did you read these growing up? No. Um, The only character that happened in Valiant, which wasn't one they had created, it was one they had acquired um, that I had any familiarity with, was. Turok, Dinosaur Hunter. (laughs) And that was because of the N64 game of the same name. Um, It was a property they owned. They also had a bunch of other, like, really old characters from, like, the 40s and 50s, like Dr. Solar, Man of the Atom, um, uh, I think Magnus Robot Fighter, and a bunch of those who uh, have since moved on to multiple other companies since. I think half of those are with Dynamite Comics at the moment. But the Valiant Universe stuff, like Bloodshot, Ninjak, um, uh, Mano War, uh, Exo Mano War, I should say, um, Quantum and Woody, they're all a massive blind spot in my comic knowledge. Um, the, I have seen bits and pieces of them here and there. They got really great creators working on them. The 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 writers you've got people like Paul Jenkins who've done big uh, big projects for Marvel and DC. You've got uh, artists like uh, Marcus Martin and those guys, and Jeff Lemire has worked on their current stuff as well. So they're attracting really good talent, and the quality of the art is really great. And they did a web web series called Ninjak Versus. The Valiant Universe, of which they use Bloodshot, played by the original Green Raider Ranger from Power Rangers, Jason David Frank, who was phenomenal. He really looked the part. That's not what we're getting for this movie. I was going to say and, that's an interesting choice of words. <laughs> yeah, really um, looking the part. Yeah, I mean, hey, if yeah. you hire Vin Diesel, and I know he's not cheap, you kind of wanted to look like Vin Diesel. But we'll get into that. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, that's it because you know they launched in the nineties. Um, you had Marvel killing it with the X Men books that Jim Lee was working on. Um, Todd McFarlane's Spider Man at the time. All those guys left and went and formed Image, of course. And the you get Spawn and Savage Dragon and um, Young Blood and Gen Thirteen and all that sort of stuff. And around the same time, you had um, Mirage Comics, who were based out of California, which that's where Ninja Turtles came up through. And Valiant was another company of all upstarts who started their own comic book shared universe. And as I said, it's being in comics in so, for so long and having so much headcanon of Star Wars and Star Trek and Marvel and DC and all these independent stuff from Image and all these other um, companies. I just 
didn't have the space on my pool list or the headspace to fill with another shared universe. So I just, unfortunately, have never gotten into them. I've always been familiar. I've known that they've been out there. I remember a couple of years ago, they did like a new big relaunch. I think that's when they brought a lot of the names on that you were mentioning earlier, like the Jeff Lemire. I remember, was there a character called like Shadow Man or something like that? Because I remember seeing some yeah. covers by Dave Johnson thinking, wow, they look amazing. But he wasn't on interiors, just covers. But I remember feeling a little bit of buzz around that relaunch. And then he just kind of fizzled out. Yeah, because uh, here in Perth uh, and in our store specifically, they they haven't really struck a chord with anyone except for those who or uh, were already familiar. Shadow Man, I know a lot of our uh, our long term guys who were readers in the nineties were like, "Oh my God, Shadow Man! They're bringing him back." He was is more niche. He's a he's almost like a a, a less famous darkness from the a top cow universe and those video games of course which is so popular um but people really like because they were they were new and they were very different not like a lot of the image stuff which were just those former marvel guys doing what they did for marvel but with names changed and the looks altered slightly these were all completely original new characters done with thinking outside the box of what you ha- what pe- what was around in the 90s rather than just rehashing something else um, and it's just a shame I have never really gotten into it. Ninjak, I think I must have read bits and pieces here and there when they've he's popped up. Um, Bloodshot's the one I'm probably the most familiar with because he's got a, a, a striking look, which, speaking of the film, we don't really get for the most <laughs> in the part. Comics, in the comics, he in does comics, have a striking yeah, look. <laughs> he's grey skin with blood red eyes, hence Bloodshot. And he wears a symbol on his. I think it's actually it's actually like a tattoo on his chest of a, ra- a red just, red a, spot, blood red circle. Yeah, red blood spot. Um, and unlike Vin Diesel, uh, he's getting up there for age, and he always keeps a, a quite a shorn head. But he has thick, really black hair. Yeah, brushed you, back yeah. like like you'd expect <laughs> to see on the Punisher. Really, and, he's and like the know, Punisher that you can't kill. Yeah. Listen, Vin Diesel can't help this, and, you, and I would not want them putting a wig on him. But I just think the black, the hair, he just helps add, a, add something else. Because he doesn't wear a costume, it's essentially his skin, and it helps add something else. It's like Superman and his red trunks. It just helps break up the blue. Having the grey skin and the black hair, I don't know. It just it just it com- completes the look of the character for me. But of course, you know, Vin Diesel isn't one to have hair. And again, yeah. Sony have clearly hired Vin Diesel to look and sound like Vin Diesel. And you know what? Yeah, and they've achieved that. Yeah, he he's very much Vin Diesel. He looks like Vin Diesel. I mean, that is probably my. Uh, I'm going to get it out of the way right off the bat ignoring anything else uh, on just visuals alone, what he's wearing and where you see him, he could be stepping off the set of Fast and Furious given his costume in this film. That is how Vin Diesel he is. is. (laughs) Which is not a bad thing. I love those movies. I watch all of them. But You know, I'm recently re-watching them. 
the first seven have just been added to Netflix. And I thought, great. I'm going to take this as an opportunity to revisit them. And I've watched Tokyo Drift. I watched it today. It's only the second time I've ever seen it. First time I was at the cinema. And watching it today, it's better than I remembered. So, so there's that. But yeah, this, this is Vin Diesel giving the Fast and Furious performance, really. Yeah, and you know, if you want to launch a franchise, you you do want to have a name to attach to it, um, either as your main villain or as your main character, your protagonist. And Vin Diesel does know how to carry a franchise; he's proven it. Um, this is definitely inside his wheelhouse in terms of the the level of action and the the. Um, the acting range and the chops, the the choreography and the things of that nature. He's he's an old hand at this now, having yeah, done I mean, look, so many Fast and Furious. But further back, look at Pitch Black. Riddick. Yeah, and the like, yeah, absolutely. Um, he, you know, all of those movies we just mentioned, he's wearing a tank top, and that doesn't change. <laughs> it's kind of what he does. It's like if you take Dwayne Johnson, and then if you look at his wardrobe. In most movies, he's wearing the same thing, if not very similar. And he's often yep. dressed for the jungle. That's yep. like his thing. So, so Dwayne Johnson's dressed for the jungle, and Johnson and uh, Vin Diesel, yep, tank top. It's his, um, it's his go-to. With this movie, they've got a first-time director in David S. F. Wilson. I think he's got a visual effects background. Um, he's worked on movies like Avengers, Age of Ultron. Like he's done big special effects movies before, but this is his first time directing. Um, screenplay by Jeff Wadlow and Eric Heisemeiser, and a story by Wadlow. And of course, the film stars Ben Diesel. We've got a uh, Toby Kebbell in here. Guy Pearce, he's the big bad of the movie. I mean, how did you rank? Guy Pierce in this movie. He does a really great job. He's Guy Pierce. He's an actor that is usually really underutilized because um, he does have a really great range. Um, and in terms of if you want to, if you want someone to really get across an intelligence, Guy Pierce does that. And the character he does, going to break the uh, the go, break through the spoiler warning here. Um, he is playing sympathetic and helpful and all that stuff. But when it's revealed, when it's revealed, which was in all the trailers, the kind of the gist of what goes on with this movie and what the twist is that would have been better served. I think if it wasn't in the trailers, he's playing uh, bloodshot the whole time. Um, um, and he, he does such a great job there. Even the being a dick to the people in his employ. It's perfectly timed. It's scathing. You believe he can be that guy in real life. You believe he could be both those people. So I get, it's just another really great performance from Guy Pierce. I wish... Yeah. He, he, he gets, does it well. Yeah, I wish he'd get something better to sink his teeth in. Same with Tony Kebbell. The the, uh, the opening sequence with him, that is like the trigger through for which the whole film kind of takes place. He, you know, the, the accent he's using is really the dance the way that he's dancing yeah. and yeah it's cool the, the, it's way, the movie yeah the the weird wardrobe which is really well put together the yeah you he does a phenomenal job and he's a phenomenal actor you know most people only really know him from either unfortunately 
Van Forstick as Doctor Doom. Which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, as uh, the student of the motion capture boss himself, uh, because he plays all the other stuff in the Planet of the Ace movies. It's, you know... Um, That's right. He was in those. But most recently, though, the TV series Servant. He's fantastic in that. The M. Night Shyamalan series. Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great actor. He does he has great range. He's He never slips up. He, there's never like a strange pronunciation or an accent slip or anything like that. Like even Guy Pearce, as great as he is, there is a scene in here where suddenly an Irish accent slips out that was supposed <laughs> to be an American accent. I mean, he's Australian, of course, and it, it can they can bleed together a little bit to the, the Australian palate. But Tony Toby Cable never has that. Um, and he, with his control over his body, because he does so much motion capture work, um, he's, he's always phenomenal. And I believed him completely. But unfortunately, he gets, sh- again, spoilers, he gets shuffled out in the first third of this film. And I'm like, ah, what a waste of such a, a, a yeah, great talent. And he's and gone. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. Really well done. Phenomenal action set piece. I mean, it really helps sell the like, oh, I totally believe he was this piece of shit. And when, when, when you get the final, when the pieces start to fall into place. But I'm like, oh, it's, it's a bit, for me, it's like pun, uh, Power Man season one on Netflix. Really love Mashallah Ali as Cottonmouth for the first half of the season. And then he gets shuffled off for a, a less like charismatic villain. And I found that with this, like, although Guy Pierce is great. Um, the, the main person who gets the fighting and the, the, the bashing and the, the fight uh, the, the Biff bang pow is, you know, Jimmy Dalton as Sam Hewen. Um, or Sam Hewen as Jimmy Dalton. So Jimmy's so, the yes, character. So, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy's the yeah. character. Sam Hewen is the actor um, who again, really great job, but, he's missing the charisma and the, the emotionality that they'd already established with Toby Kebble as Martin Axe. Yeah. I mean, I thought it as I was watching it, but, but hearing you say it here, yeah, I I mean, I agree completely saying instead of carrying on with someone of Toby Kebble's quality, we're getting this guy who's fine. But, you know, we mentioned the Fast and Furious movies earlier. Like this guy could have just been any of those movies. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. De- decent enough, I guess, but he's not really bringing too much to it. And then he's got his, and he's got the other character, KT. That's not KT. It's spelled two letters, K and T. And she's played by Isa Gonzalez. And she's a character who's kind of like she's a bad guy. She's she's looking to turn and help Bloodshot. Real name Ray Garrison. Completely yep. forgot that from watching the movie, but saw it in my prep. So she's the one that's going back and forth on whether or not to help Bloodshot. But you're yeah, right. But yeah, Guy Pearce is the big bad. Toby Cable early on. And then when they're not on screen, you've got Vin Diesel. He's being Vin Diesel. And everyone else yeah. is just fine. Yeah, because, I mean, Isaac Gonzalez, beautiful. Um, stunning, stunning actress. Um, very very easy on the eyes and she's doing some she's having to do some some really interesting that the 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 water the pool synchronized swimming although she's doing it to herself 
that routine, I wonder if I, it's either really good special effects and they've body face swapped her or that actress, she can do that and she's got incredible muscular control. But she's just there as the attractive female in an action role. Like Again, like you said already, could have been in a Fast and Furious movie. The only thing she's got is the the reason that they're holding her there to do things she doesn't like, which is the breathing apparatus machine that she can, they can turn off at any point because that's what the the company RST that they're working for produces um, physical augmentations for humans who have lost something, whether an arm or legs or eyesight, or in her case, her lungs were heavily damaged by a chemical attack. Um, so she like plenty of an interesting backstory. They and they probably do if they were to get another one. Um, they it's something they could further develop, but there's not a lot for her to do in this first film. Not really. She's just there to turn, heal, or help. Bloodshot at the end. That's why she's there. She's there to be the bad guy until she's not. You know, I found when watching this, when characters have come in and out and you know, saying yourself that you're not too familiar with Valiant Comics, I kept right thinking, is that person supposed to be somebody or is this setting up something? And I got that a lot with the character Wilfred Wiggins, played by Lamorne Morris. Yeah. Who? Great job. Really interesting character. Um I, I, he, again, it's, it's, thank God he's he's in there in the second half of this movie because someone with a lot of correct charisma doing stuff that no one else had been doing yet, and I, it was I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> I needed him in this movie, uh, and he's great. He's really good. Um, I know him from New Girl, <laughs> playing oh, Winston. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I think I've seen the pilot to New Girl, and that's it. Yeah, you might be familiar with him from uh, Game Night or even Sandy Wexler. He played Bling. I've seen these movies, but I'm not remembering him from them. But I did like him in this. And you're right, he did add something to that second half. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, I really needed it. Because going to Guy Pierce, this is one thing I picked, I picked up. His name, Dr. Emil Harting. But being a scientist for a shady corporation or something that's attached to a government, a Dr. Emil H. Emilius, that made me think DC Comics. And the head of um, the guys oh. in Superman Comics, who, Star Labs. Star Labs, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, they must have both companies around the same time they brought in both of these characters. I'm like, you got there must be a, a real life scientist at the time that both these companies use as their inspiration because it is too similar for yeah. them to not is base the, it off the, um, a real person. The DC one is it Dr. Emil Hamilton? Yes, that is exactly who I was thinking of. And that character even featured in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Yes, he did. There you go. I didn't think I would mention that show today. But yeah, <laughs> that, that character was in that. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, the director, um, David Wilson, he's got a background in special effects, as I said earlier. 
And the effects in this movie, like for the most part, the effects are pretty decent. The, yeah, the um the way they do the nanites, um the cloud when they zoom in and you see uh, like the the microscopic effect, it looks kind of video gamey. But when they're doing the building of the virtual worlds to to reprogramming for a new mission, looks great. Like even the software layout and how they alter the actual rooms in textures, like you're seeing post-production in a futuristic way and you're like oh wow like that's really it's smart it looks really great it looks this easily communicates exactly what it is they're doing um watching his face get re-stitched together from being blown open with there is a lot of so- slow-mo that's in my notes there is yeah so much slow-mo. but it's because in action set pieces of this kind where it's all gunfire and there's no finesse. It's not John Wick. It's not up close and you're not seeing the competency of him. He is an unstoppable machine that is just letting the tech do everything for him. Um, but even the, the way they, they told the story of using the internet of him, how he finds his targets really well done, really interesting. I found all that like, Oh, of course you could use nanites that way. Um, but on the special effects side um, and the practical effects as well, like, you know, they, they clearly, they clearly emptied out a bunch of squibs and plasterboard and glass and um, definitely some pyro in this film, but it all works really well. It's really competently handled by someone who has said with his background, I, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, maybe would want to have, some more work with actors to get some more emotion. Although again, this with with Vin Diesel as your main guy who tends to be in a single mode anyway, which they would have known going in. They know the range you're going to get with him, and they don't let him deviate. <laughs> Even the nature no, of the character yeah. doesn't really allow him to deviate either. He's got two modes: quiet and growly, and angry and growly. <laughs> Are you, talking, are, you, are you talking about Bloodshot? Are you talking about Riddick? Are you talking about Fast and Furious? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, I saw a, a clip today that Sony Pictures put online and it was um, like a blooper reel or gag reel from the upcoming DVD Blu-ray release. And they have Vin Diesel introducing the bloopers. And he's so dry and serious in his delivery. <laughs> Ahead of the bloopers, you're like, wow, okay. That's yeah. That's the lane he wants to stay in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and if it wasn't for the time we find ourselves in now, this movie's production budget was forty million, uh, which it's you know they get a lot for for that money. Um, the guy who owns Valiant, funnily enough, is um, he's a very successful businessman in I can't remember if it's in India or Pakistan. But he bought the company Valiant Comics for a million dollars US. Oh wow! Um, because he was such a huge fan of them in the '90s, and they weren't nothing was getting produced. They were up for sale, and he's like, "I've got the money. You know what? I'll take that." And it's been it pays for itself. It's but he doesn't need it to be successful. He's just paying for all this to happen so he gets more stories. And that sort of passion on the comic side is definitely working for him. Um, 
and that forty-five million on this budget—that's not a lot. They've got a lot of money, a lot of movie for that money. They have, and they've got a star in Vin Diesel. But okay, so, so we could we could talk some numbers, and that's interesting. I didn't realize the budget was forty million. So this film, only for a short time, was released in cinemas March of this year. Mm-hmm. It received mixed reviews from critics. And at the time before cinemas shut down worldwide, it made 29 million. It was five days after the release that Sony confirmed that the film would be released digitally on March 24th. And that is, of course, due to COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. Over its first three days of home release, the film was the most watched on Amazon Prime and the fourth most watched on iTunes. So I would say it's a safe bet, even though it had a limited run on the big screen at home, they've made money. They've made a profit on this film. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, you know, there's, I think I want to see more. I'm curious where they go with this. I want to see them build out this other stuff because there are other characters. I find this a lot with comic book properties. If it's something I'm unfamiliar with, it makes me almost just as excited for them, if not more, because they can pull the wall of my eyes. They can surprise me. I have no no previous investment, so I'm like, I can just sit back and in, enjoy it without stress of, oh, they got that wrong. Oh, that's not right, because I don't know what's right or wrong. I just get to experience it like anyone else would. Um, and I enjoyed this. This is this is a good popcorn movie. If you want a, an action movie, uh, especially right now. This this fits the bill. Um, the only actress we, oh, uh, that we didn't really touch on is Tallulah Riley, who plays his wife, the the the, the figment of his revenge, uh, Gina. Uh, she does a decent job. I know her from Westworld. <laughs> she's in season one. She's like the one who introduces William to the park, and she pops up again oh, and again right. throughout it. Yeah, um, and she like. As soon as I saw her, it's the first thing I thought. I'm like, ooh, I know her. She's great. So I didn't recognize her, but yeah, she, she's good here. I mean, because she, she's playing the young, attractive girlfriend in bed in lingerie. But then later on in the movie, she's now a mother. She's married or in a relationship. So she's playing two versions of that same character, which we find out that Bloodshot is away for, what, five years? Or is away for yeah. a period of time. Whereas for him, he's got no memory of that time elapsing. So the, the story elements that are interesting and the visuals are working. I do like Vin Diesel. You know, maybe some of the things I've said could come across as me saying I don't like him or I'm not a fan of him, but I am. So there's things going for this movie. Like you, you mentioned a potential shared universe. I mean, this film, it intended to launch a cinematic shared universe featuring Valiant Comics superheroes. Bloodshot was originally planned to be followed by four movies, a sequel, two films based on the comic book series Harbinger, and a culmination in a crossover titled Harbinger Wars. So originally, that's what they wanted. But since then, different Valiant characters have gone to different studios. Huh. So we're potentially not going to have that. I mean, Harbinger, for example, is now with Paramount. 
this movie Bloodshot is with Sony. So already they're making it difficult for themselves to have this shared cinematic universe. And we're only one film in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's strange, especially where we are at the moment with where Marvel's gotten to with their shared universe and everyone having tried to fight to, to match them. And you have a shared universe that you've yet to communicate to someone on film. And then you start, piecing it apart piecemeal like you would have back you know in the early 2000s so what you always used to do highest bidder i've got this character who do you want it you okay next one you are oh, no problem yeah you split up you can't do those crossovers i mean this is why dc tv works so well because they build to these crossovers because they have all of those characters they haven't farmed them out to other companies it'd be a shame it'd be a shame for that to happen here but if you want to just do some bloodshot movies with what you base off this one, I think you could get a second one out of this. Um, it'd be depend on how you develop the story, depending, I think on how, what people's mileage would, uh, would go. But again, you know, Vin Diesel, he, he's, he's going to deliver exactly what you expect out of, this, of a movie of this kind. Is it? He's a solid, yeah, yeah. He's a solid hand. As an actor, I think he attracts the the audience, like the Fast and Furious audience, that Sony are going to want to come and see their movie. I think he's he's good for that. Looking at you know the limited time that he was on the big screen, I thought you know to twenty nine million, the success on VOD. I think you know this could end up being more than one film. I just don't think we're going to get this shared cinematic universe. But what it's reminded me of, if you look at Iron Man. Paramount, who was the original distributors for Marvel Studios before they were Marvel Studios, but their second movie, The Incredible Hulk, was with Universal. And that's why we don't get a standalone Hulk film now. He just appears in other movies. Yeah, we it's will. Valiant. Marvel, yeah, Marvel have now purchased those rights back. But... Oh, good. <laughs> good. Well, we're getting She Hulk <laughs> on TV, but it just seems that's what Valiant did. So they've gone, okay, so we've got one character, Sony, another character, uh, Paramount. And then they just start handing them out in different directions to different studios. But after watching this movie, like when it first started, I was thinking, oh man, this feels very 90s. You know, it's another origin story, but I'm not too familiar, so that's okay. It started a bit slow for me, even though there was action. But it really did develop into something more entertaining. So I ended up enjoying it more than I thought I would from that first half an hour. Yeah, um, I think I I would have enjoyed this more were I watching it with others. I was watching it at midnight on my own, uh, trying to keep it quiet so as not to disturb anyone else in the house. Um, and I do think this is a movie you would want to watch with friends, so you could so you could have someone to react with and like, oh, did you see that? And um, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I th- I enjoyed it. It's a, it's a it's a it's a decent action film. And we do kind of get him looking like he does in the comics. Because what is it? Something to do with like the, the, the nanites are overheating or something's happening and he goes grey. It's almost like a zombie. And then the red on his chest is lit up, the red eyes. Yeah, that's what we get. He, uh, as, he, as he taxes the nanites more and more, 
as you said, with the heat, it makes the, the the red spot on his chest as it tries to vent the heat. Um, but when he that, as we get to the finale and he overclocks them and has them using use move, moving above recommended levels, that's when his eyes go red, like in the comics. His skin goes grey, and we get him a lot closer to the comic book look. So he's really got to be pushed or to push himself to look like he does in the comics. It's like a Bruce Banner. He needs to hulk out to be green. So it's like Bloodshot yep. needs to have that trigger. Yeah, and um, it does a couple of things. It makes it easier on the costume um, and because you don't have to, to paint your actor, which one is time-consuming, two, a lot of touch-ups when you're doing action set pieces because that stuff generally wipes off. You can listen to some interviews with Lou Ferrino, the original Hulk from the eighties. If you want to hear about how annoying it was, he used to have to stand in a fridge and not touching anything because that's how fragile the green paint was. Um, you know, it's, it, and you, if you put a CGI thing over the top, that can be uh, strange in terms of other effects, having layer on upon layer on upon layer. Um, and, if walking down the street, think about it. if you got a guy with blood red eyes and gray skin, he's going to attract attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, like the Hulk would walking down the street. Yeah. They, they, they draw the eye. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I'll be intrigued to see where they can take it going forward. I think a second one, you'll need a more consistent and credible villain throughout the whole one in you know, for an origin movie, it's fine to do with without the head here of uh, army guys and the, the creator of him essentially, um, trying to keep him under control. But for the next one, you're going to want something, something more than what we had here. Even if it's something yeah. a, a mental villain like a Lex Luthor type, I'm not sure if that's someone they have in the no, bloodshot. Yeah, I know, but that's going to be similar to what we've had with Guy Pearce in this. I think you go for a good actor, a good action actor, and have him play a physical threat. I think that's where you'd go with that next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, as long as the the power set is not too similar to what you have for Bloodshot. You know, it needs to be someone, I know. We don't even know. We, no, we exactly. Know. We don't know who but he's Yeah, <laughs> but you need someone, it's the same villain for the whole movie, and you establish yeah. them properly, I think. Because yeah, again, think, this yeah. this works fine for an origin movie, but you need to be, you need to up it for your next one. Because you know, I I like Superman going up against Lex Luthor as a villain, but every now and then it's good for Superman to throw down with someone like Zod, you know, someone who can take a punch and give a punch. Yeah, yeah, especially in terms of films, like Lex Luthor is a great TV series villain, but for film, you want you want a Zod or a Mongol or someone who he can trade blows with. Okay, so if we're going to rate this film, and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised to hear how positive you're being about this movie, Jay. Because honestly, um, like for that film, Stu, I was looking to do a review, and my co-host Jason just was not interested in this movie. And then I found all the people that I know, like comic fans, just. I had no interest for watching Bloodshot and I thought it was just going to be me alone with a microphone. So I'm glad 
firstly, that you agreed to be a guest on the podcast. But secondly, it sounds like you did find things to enjoy. Yeah, and, you know, if I'm looking at a rating, I'd probably sit, I'd probably sit about three and a half. I enjoyed it probably a little bit more than that. I probably, for my own personal enjoyment, was probably more of a four. It it delivered exactly what I expected. It it didn't, it didn't wow me like John, the first time I saw John Wick, but it's really well done. I'm interested to see where they go. Um, I wasn't undersold on anything. I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't uh, let down by promised. I think they capitalized on it. As I said, especially with some of the, the, the non-physical parts of his abilities, I think they did a really great job with um, everyone here was a, a capable hand, including the director. I just, um, if I was going to recommend people, as I said, as if you like, popcorn action movies on the term on the level of like a maybe uh a cobra with sylvester stallone pulling out the <laughs> 80s stuff or things like that random but yeah i like cobra yeah yeah or like more like a predator 2 than an original predator there are some things which are like you're you at you know have a larger larger hit ratio I think this just falls a little shy there. More, as I said, more like a Predator 2 than a Predator. More like a, uh, um, like a striking distance, not a diehard. Like <laughs> more, on that, more on that level. But I love all those types of movies. I'm a big action fan. The sci-fi elements speak to me. The, um, the, the, the comic bookiness speaks to me. I just don't know if I'd be willing to put my money on my mouth as a four. That's why I'm, I'm down to a three and a half. I mean, if, keep in mind, we are rating out of five, so four, wow, is incredibly high. Um, I really enjoyed those examples you gave there, Jay. Um, Bruce Willis in Striking Distance. I remember watching and enjoying that movie in the tagline because he was something like a Harbour Patrol or like it was yeah. Please for the Waters or something or other. But I remember the tagline was, if they didn't want him making waves, they shouldn't have put him in the water. That has always stayed with me. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Great. Striking distance. Bruce Willis. Yeah, I I ended up enjoying this movie more than I thought it was. A bit worried to begin with. Um, Again, do like Vin Diesel as an actor. And I thought, oh, this is something a bit interesting. You know, it's a character I'm not too familiar with, a universe I'm not familiar with. Let's see where it goes. And when all was said and done, admittedly, I did enjoy it more than... I thought I would, and it's, it, you're right, it's, it's a popcorn movie. It's a big, it's a flashy, exploding action movie. Um, it's given us um, a superhero different to what we're getting from Marvel and DC. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to lift my score slightly. I'm going to come in at a, a three out of five. I, I did have things that I enjoyed in this movie and and it's that thing with an origin movie it needs to set up the character and and start building the world there's a lot of heavy lifting to do with an origin and i thought you know for the most part they did a, a good job here yeah yeah absolutely like i said it's it's not good i don't think it's gonna it's, i think some people will see this and be like oh this is great and most but most people will be like yeah yeah that's that's satisfied that's it's good it's a it's you know as as effective as burger and chips it's 
what you want, what you expect. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I think you liking Vin Diesel would go a long way towards your enjoyment of this because it is yeah, Vin absolutely. Diesel if you, being if you can't, Vin Diesel. Yeah, if you can't stand him, do not watch this movie because oh, you're going to get like a it. lot of Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a lot of grumbling and vests and <laughs> it's Vin Diesel <laughs> being Vin Diesel. Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. That's it for our episode all about Bloodshot. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Jay, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.